This Cool Is Out podcast with Mike and Miles. We're all about asking questions and finding solutions for all things education. School is out. Now let's get started. Hey, Miles. Hey, Mike. Hey, uh, I'm pretty excited. We're going to start something new for a little while here. We've got a, a series of vignettes. So we're going to do some, some short recordings of strategies to get it done. I like that. I think everyone pretty much needs to get it done. Yeah, yeah. So um, these are real problems that you and I have encountered over, over the years of teaching. Some could be pretty recent uh, as of this week. Some could be not so recent as of months or years ago. But I've, I've got one for you. You ready for it? What's up? Word problems in math. So, yeah, I, I had a teacher come up to me and say, I don't understand, Mr. D, how our kids do so poorly on word problems. They seem to understand the concept when it's in front of them. They can do problem after problem until they get to a word problem. It just all falls apart. Have you ever heard anything like that? I've heard that a lot. And I know that that's something that kids across the country are working on and it's become a focus word problems when you say that mike i didn't think word problems though what i think is the word application or authentic learning and it i don't know what you said to that teacher and i don't know what you're about to say but if i'm just thinking about the problem it's that my kids can do these problems in isolation when they memorize the quick steps to do them then when i try to have them actually apply this knowledge and put it to use there's a failure. There's no bridge. That's my quick answer. Yeah, um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go very very probably off into the deep end with this. When I think of word problems like you, I think of application, but I also think that word problems are as much another content area as they are math. Maybe even a little bit more so in in a different content area than they are math. When I hear things like the, the kids can do the problems when they're in front of them, or they can add two-digit numbers, but they can't solve a story about two-digit numbers. I think about my own learning and how I used to I used to be very decent at getting problems done. I could do page after page of problems on a worksheet, just get them, were done, they usually get them the, done. Were they usually the odd ones? <laughs> oh, yeah. I could do the evens. I could do the odds. But for some reason, I couldn't go and check my work on the evens and have a better understanding of the odds. You know, I'd be like, <laughs> oh, I got a couple right and didn't even care about it. You know, and then if I missed some of the odds, somebody for would some, look at me for and some be like, reason, well, Mike, yeah. For some reason, I only ever got my homework done when it was the odd problems. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it all falls apart whenever there's a story problem. And I, I used to love it, too. And I could do page after page of problems. But then on the test there was something a little bit different, mm. something just a tiny little bit different. Well, it's the same concept. It's just, we, we threw an exponent in there. You should know how to do that. Oh, yeah. okay. There's that, which there's that word should. I love that. I yeah. love making assumptions about what I should be able to do. Um, I, I, I know where you're going with this, but I just want to follow up on what you're saying right there because I've, I've heard this from teachers a lot or in education on my test. I make things different because I want to see if they can apply what they've learned. Yeah. Why don't you do that before the test? <laughs> Just a question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, what if we did that with traffic laws? 
<laughs> Surprise. Hey, guess what? <laughs> You're getting a ticket because the, that red arrow didn't mean stop. <laughs> you should have applied. What hey, you, you should have applied your, your your knowledge on that. Yeah. So um word problems for me are are entirely a little bit of math and a whole lot of something else and we've got to start understanding that word problems involve in, in my opinion okay i'm not going to put a lot of research out there i'm going to let you and some other people back me up or or shoot me down on this but when we start applying things when we start using application and, and math problems we start trying to engage our frontal lobes a little bit our reasoning and, and things that may not be fully developed. And so we have to understand that word problems themselves are a concept with skills that must be developed along with math. And in order to develop these things, I think it's important that we not just see them on paper and expect kids to understand them. So if I'm going to practice solving word problems as a concept, if I'm going to start expecting kids to know how to do something with more than one number in sequence with words around it, I should probably practice these scenarios out loud with real tools in a room. Because whenever I read that Charlie has two crates of oranges, each crate has two oranges, how many crates would he need to fill a truck? Well, um, okay, well, I'm just guessing where are these oranges and where's this truck? Can I see this situation playing out somewhere? Is this just on paper? Because yesterday it was oranges and a truck, but today it's balloons and cotton candy. I don't understand what's going on here, Mr. D. You just, you keep throwing this stuff at me. And, and, and then, you know, at the beginning of class, I did a page, I did a sprint page of math problems. And now I'm talking about cotton candy and oranges with trucks. Um, which is it? And that's where I come from in, in my train of thinking is I always ask, which is it? Which do you want me to do? Do you want me to do the truck thing or do you want me to do the, the page of problems thing? Because I'm not going to be able to apply those things without serious practice until I have life experience with it. If you can't provide me that life experience, there's no practice for me. Therefore, yes, I'm always going to be unsuccessful with word problems in math. So I, I think I understand where you're coming from, and I got no pushback, Mike. I'm going to throw some learning terms in here in this discussion. Uh, I've got critical thinking, problem solving, creativity. I keep mentioning these on the podcast, but I'm locked in on them, and I'm committed to them. Critical thinking, problem solving, creativity. So let me just throw something wild out here at you. Instead of starting with the drill and kill practice or whatever that is at the beginning and you're good at the numbers exactly the way that I showed you and then when I give you this scenario you're all you're all confused let's start with the real world problem let's start with something that we all are dealing with in this classroom and can see not the peaches on the truck on some made up thing and those are okay i mean i, I picture an army of people sitting in a room making up word problems about peaches and cotton candy, no offense to them. And it's probably an AI chat bot now that's going to write those word problems. Those are cool. But let's start with, hey guys, we've got four people sitting over here and we have two people sitting over here and we have to make three even groups. How are we going to do that? Let's talk about that. 
that that's real real quick and then let's look let's work backwards from the real thing and let's look at how addition and division helped us to do that and then let's practice those addition and division skills to get there let's work backwards that's one thing that i'm thinking of with these word problems and a huge issue that i see in education almost always we start from the beginning and work to the end we need to start with the end and then work backwards yes um I, it, it's <laughs> for me doing math problems is the same thing as trying to teach a kid how to read but never giving them a book i mean never giving them a book to touch to put in their hands but saying you're going to learn that C makes the cut sound and that's important. So later on, you'll see that it's important. Um, I, I think I've said before, if you want me to teach math and I don't have a good math resource or if I'm complaining about my math resource, my go-to is, you know what, if, if you wanna teach math, you can get that done with a tape measure. And if you wanna teach geometry, you could probably get that done with a framing square. Um, there's there's so many things that can be done with simple tools and, and word problems in math. Now, should we have math fluency? Of course we should. I've said this before. I think it's very important that if you are in a grocery line and have to figure out if you have enough money to buy the groceries at hand or to grab a candy bar, and, and if you have cash in your pocket, yes, math facts are an essential skill that nobody should leave not knowing. I firmly believe in that, but I also believe that we should practice how to apply them regularly under scenarios a little bit different than high stakes testing scenarios where we just feel crammed and crowded and under such a rush to get a kid to understand the, the peaches on the truck that we don't actually show them the truck or have any peaches. Because one thing after another, at, at the end of the day, when you're looking at those numbers on a piece of paper with black print, that's all it is. That is just print on a piece of paper to me as a kid. And I'm just looking at more print on different paper or on more paper, and you're asking me to own this and to love this when all I see is print on a piece of paper. And I'm going, I'm not having any part of that. If you want me to own a fraction, show me the pizza. And there, there's a couple of things I think that we can help out this teacher who's trying to teach word problems and everyone else. I got two things I'd like to provide as tips or strategies to get these word problems done. Number one, don't be fake. If it's just the problems in the practice and then we get to the word problems because someone on the state test is going to give us some word problems, it's fake. Like you're saying, start with something real. Start with the pizza or whatever. Start with a real problem that you had on your way to school or you could imagine your kids having in your classroom. Start with something real. Make it is real. Don't be fake. And then have we ever or do we let our kids write the word problems? Let the kids create the word problems. Then they're real. They're from their real life. Teach them what their problems are related to the math you're teaching them. And then the other thing I have, Mike, is your for that teacher or for everyone else, and I'm big on this too. I've said it before. You're teaching life. You're not teaching math. 
in that one word problem about the peaches on the truck, there is social studies, there's science, there's certainly language arts, there's every subject that you want to use to explain that scenario. Math explains that scenario. Start with life. You are a teacher of life. And then let that finite exploration of math help to explain it. But certainly your kids are gonna have to have strong reading skills and thinking and reasoning skills to figure out those word problems. Don't teach anything in isolation as much as you can Teach life, start with life, and then if you're required to divide it out further into math and do that, but start with life. I agree, Miles. I think that there's there's a lot of different things that in those in those worksheet problems, take a couple of those things. Even if you're struggling to come up with ideas on real life, take a couple of those problems that you've seen on paper and create them. Make them real. Um, just some things that are on the top of my head. If, if, I'm in, if I'm in high school algebra or if I'm in middle school algebra or, or if I'm somewhere where we're learning graphing or something and I have slope intercept, which, is, uh, which can be a difficult concept in, in like sixth grade or seventh grade, immediately when you start doing slope intercept, you're going to see roofing. You're going to see roofing. You, you can't not see it. You can recreate those things in your classroom with very simple, simple materials and have kids do them. Have them create something and then have them put water on it if you wanna see what the slope actually looks like. There's a thousand things you can do with that. If I'm going to a word problem that is talking about fractions, I already said, buy a pizza. What's a, what's a pizza cost? Get a $5 pizza or get a piece of square pizza and say, this has to feed the entire class. You've got something set up with fractions. There's a number of things that we can do that primes the kids and gets them ready for that thought before we replace the actual scenario with something fake on a piece of paper. We also, in my opinion, need to be honest with our kids and say, this is real, this one's fake. Let's solve them both because I want you to be successful because you're gonna see a fake scenario again and somebody is gonna judge you for how well you deal with that fake scenario. So let's start with the real scenario and work our way through it so that when we're ready to, to engage one of these fake ones, we know we have the tools, but at the same time, we also have to be ready. How much time are we going to spend on the fake scenario? And, and there, I think, becomes a, a really a big problem because I'm not successful now. My kids in my classroom are not successful now with story problems. So if I make it real and they do poorly then, where would I rather be doing it fake and they're not successful and doing it real and watching them struggle and hopefully maybe have a successful chance in the future? I'd rather them leave my class being successful with something real that they can apply versus always doing something fake and hoping for the best. Like if, if, if I think of all kinds of scenarios, miles per gallon and how much fuel you're going to put in a car. How much tip should I leave this person who's going to serve me a steak? There's, there's many, many different things. And I'm just, as you're saying that, Mike, I'm just thinking that, you know, people that might listen to this, when I said don't be fake, they might think like, okay, if you're doing this really real thing, if 
Mike just said you could build something in your classroom. When we're teaching slope. We could build a house in our classroom, a miniature house, or we could build a house out a shed outside of the school or whatever that is. That's super real. It's not fake. How are my kids going to be good at the word problems? And this is my answer to that. You know, in the the first progression, you said you start with the problem on paper, just the really specific problem skill, and then it gets to the word problem. And we're having trouble getting to understand those word problems. I'm saying start with the house, then work backwards, but at times explain that house building through word problems. Okay, guys, here's our scenario. You know, we're building this shed. It's 10 by 20. We need to put a roof on it. How are we going to figure out the slope of the roof? And I put that in a word problem for my students as we're trying to figure that out. That's that's how I would ask them that problem anyways, but I'm going to put it in print so they can see it. And then I'm going to have conversations about them. You'll see other word problems like this. And even sometimes when you take some test guys, you're going to see word problems like this, very similar to what we just saw about the roof. And we're going to do these problems now to practice our skills to figure out the slope of that roof. And you're going to see other problems like that in the future that are going to test you. And it's going to help you in your life because someday uh, you might need to know how many peaches are on that truck. I don't that's the, that's the stretch. <laughs> so, but let me, let me, yeah, no, I'll let you finish there, Miles, because it, you, when you said that, I was I, done, I was just trying to make a, I, I still think, you know, I've looked at a lot of those word problems, Mike. I think that's in my mind, that's the struggle. Some of that stuff is still super fake. It's the teacher's role if we're going to have our kids be successful, I'm not worried about that fake word problem per se. I'm going beyond that. I'm going to critical thinking, creativity, and problem solving. Once my kids get really good at that and I'm focused on that, they'll be able to do the word problems. That'll be easy. Right. And and I think when the, if you want to walk a, an edgier line like I tend to do, um, and I'm in a classroom and and I'm I'm still struggling with this, then I might even take it a step further and have and train my kids to dissect the word problem itself. And then I would say, okay, kids, here's your chance now. I want you to pick apart this word problem and tell me if you think it could be legitimate or if it's absolutely stupid. And then you have to explain to me why. Why is the word problem about peaches in a truck either a legitimate word problem or an absolutely dumb word problem? And then tell me why. Now you've engaged their brains in a different kind of way to think about the wording of the problem, which is the problem itself, the wording of it all. And if a kid can say, there's no way that peaches would survive on a truck because they need to be packed in styrofoam, now you've got them thinking in a different direction. Now they're attuned to the problem itself. And you've activated them into solving it for themselves versus saying, this is a scenario that's good for you you should be able to do it. Right. And I think that's awesome, Mike. So like, and I'm just going to throw this other strategy to get it done out there. You know, I have in my book as the math teacher, there's this problem on peaches and trucks. I'm going to talk about this with my students. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the problem and I'm going to give them a chance to say, hey, I think that's silly and made up. I don't even understand how these peaches are going to survive from Georgia to Pennsylvania, whatever that is. Okay, guys, let's all in groups, three or four, what we're going to do today for the next 15 minutes 
I'm going to challenge you guys to take the idea, the skill from this word problem and write our own word problems that are so much better that apply to other sixth graders all across the state that when they see those word problems, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I know a, this word problem. It's about Taylor Swift and the Super Bowl. That makes sense to me. And that's an awesome application. And to me, that's a strategy to get it done to still deal with the word problem, to make it real, and to get buy-in from your kids. Another strategy to get it done, and I was just thinking of this, people are thinking, are going to start thinking, maybe the listeners on this will be like, this, these guys can think of like a thousand different things. Well, I can, that's, that's a strength of mine, I guess. But maybe throw something out there too, where it's like on a Monday, we're talking about these peaches on this truck word problem that we just keep talking about. Well, guess what? On Friday, to any person or group of people who can explain this word problem to me and the entire class using a cardboard made truck. Now, here's the stipulation. You have to explain the problem to me using a truck that you made out of cardboard that fits on your desk. That's all I'm going to say. And if you do that, I'm going to give you this peach. And now people listening to this might say, that's stupid. Why would a kid want a peach? Well, because it's one peach that I brought in and set on my desk. Now it's special. That's why they want that peach. Because that peach is going to be on my desk every single day. And at the end of every math class, I'm going to say that peach is somebody's in this room. All you have to do is cut out a truck. I don't care what that truck looks like and explain this math problem. It makes it hokey, it makes it engaging, it makes it interesting. Now kids are curious, how bad do I want that peach? I don't even know if I like peaches, but I want that one because I want the recognition for doing the work to get that peach. And that peach could be anything. It could be an acorn or a ham. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's exclusive and it's special and there's recognition for it. And I'm not I'm not trying to be too wacky here, Mike, because I was just trying to make fun of the peach and the truck word problem a second ago that you made up. <laughs> but I bet you right now the two of us could sit down and write a week's worth of sixth grade curriculum on that math word problem about peaches and trucks. And we could teach about growing peaches and we could teach about harvesting peaches and the science and the biology of that and the social studies that goes into the price, we could teach a whole, we could teach a month's worth of sixth grade lessons on that fake made up concept to make it real to kids and bake peach pies and have a fundraiser where you sell the peach pies and raise, you could go on and on and on and on. The, the key I think I'm coming down to from this little discussion is what we've talked about. Don't be fake, be real. Absolutely. Make it real. And if I want kids to be successful at word problems, I better set aside exclusive time in my day to work on making word problems real, to engage them in engaging word problems. I can't make assumptions that because they can do pages of fluency in math, that they can connect it to word problems. No matter how many times I might use guilt or shame their way, and say, you guys should know how to do this. Look, it's all right here. If you just read it and listen to the words that you're saying, that's not going to engage them. That is not going to get them to start doing it because if it did, you would have seen it the first time. You would have seen them be successful the first time you said the word should. That you aren't being successful or that you aren't seeing the, the success rather, 
means something needs to change. And that's the application of the word problem and the dissection of the words that are in there because they need to own it. They need to be able to say, this is legit, this could actually happen, or this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard and this is why. But let me show you a different way, perhaps another strategy, here you go. Let me show you a way that I'm doing the same problem with something that makes sense in my life. You know what, I don't know about the truck and the peaches. What I do know about though, is a bucket and what, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. How else could you paint these pictures? It's, it's a sell. This definitely needs to be sold. So when we are talking about making word problems in math real, let, let's talk about, you know, if somebody's asking, well, I'm, I can't do project-based learning every day. I've got things to, to get through, even though, even though getting through isn't, isn't the way we should be thinking. The reality of it is I do have a, a curriculum to cover. I have expectations. I have a goal at the end of class. I probably shouldn't take um, a week on one word problem. And I'm saying, in, in my opinion, don't take a week on a word problem, but take as long as you need to dissect what goes into solving word problems. Having kids think critically about what's in the word problem, having them think about, is this a real scenario or is this something completely made up? Explain their thinking in, in small groups and then have them do it individually, being able to release them into those, those thought processes. Um, planning is going to be an issue. The bigger the project, the more you have to plan. In, in my opinion though, planning to get kids to, to pick apart word problems and, and analyze them doesn't take much planning at all. Um, a a teacher is probably going to have to use some sort of metacognitive approach and explain out loud their own thinking when they pick apart a word problem and encourage that to get done by their kids too. So that's my two cents on it. I just want to say something like, I had a conversation with some people recently trying to talk about some curriculum design and redoing some different things. And you know, I'm always trying to look at things differently or get people to see them a little differently. Someone was saying, well, if we start this, if we start this project or do what you're saying, that's going to go against all of this curriculum that we already have and these resources that we already have. And my answer to that and my answer, and you just mentioned this, you know, and teachers thinking about planning or doing things a little differently to get the word problems done. It's not going against your curriculum. It's not going against what you are asked to teach. You have, as a teacher, you have anything that you're you're being asked to teach from the state and from your local district and all of those things. You are not required to teach it just in one way. You can take, I, you know, I just said, you could take that word problem and build a week in your class, I, I wholeheartedly believe that you could. I wholeheartedly believe that I could take a, a sixth grade, all of the standards and requirements that students are asked to learn about in sixth grade and build projects for those classes by month or by week. Teachers are gonna say, I don't have enough time to do that sometimes. And I think that's you know a very real thing that we have to be aware of. But I would keep pushing back against that and saying that a project-based experiential hands-on approach is front-loaded 
And if you ever tried it or done it, the planning is intense in the beginning. You know, if you're going to just do something a little different with word problems in your class, and I'm going to allow my kids to dissect this, or I'm going to do the thing with the peaches, it's going to take some intense planning in the beginning. But instead of then scripting every minute of your lesson for a week, now I know that my my kids are going to be working on this project. It's intense to get it going, but then I'm the guide, the facilitator, all these words that we know we should be doing. And that's much less intense in the, the planning and the writing, much more intense in the facilitating and helping, but it's probably overall less work just in preparation and day-to-day -day planning in my mind because I've done this routinely. It takes a ton to think it out and get it started. But then you're sitting back and taking your hands off the controls and letting your kids go. And that's invigorating as a teacher to watch. But you get to take deep breaths because you're not on the stage having to have every minute planned. Your kids take that ownership then. But I guess to so that we don't let this vignette run too long. I want to address too some some other concerns that that might come to mind. Well, how do I grade kids in doing this? How do I get a grade for this? Um, in listening to everything that you just said, Miles, and everything that we've talked about in the past on the podcast, the grade is the learning. The grade represents the learning. And if you're seeing kids discuss these concepts and grow, there's your grade. And if that grade is an A for everybody, and you're saying, well, that's fake because not everybody gets an A. Think about where I come from too. Then the grade itself is fake. Because if you can't tell me that your kids are being successful, having these conversations and working together by letting them go the way that you describe. And if you can't give everybody a growth grade during that period of time, then there's, there's deeper analysis to be done there, even on the part of the teacher. That also comes with a sense of, I'm planning the success for all of my kids and I'm expecting that they all make it there. That is important. There's also a really practical aspect of this though, Mike also, and work with teachers on this. Those teachers who are asking those questions, how do I get my kids to be successful on those word problems? And you know, when I'm talking, I'm kind of going off big picture abstract, they still want to have their kids do well on those word problems because their name's going to be attached to how those kids do on their word problems. You know, and the strategy that I would su suggest for that, still embed those word problems in your forms of assessment. I believe they should be very authentic, very hands-on, very experiential, but that is not to say that a component of that assessment routinely cannot be and should not be sample PSSA or state assessment problems that go along with the bigger picture things that you are doing. They should. That's going to help you and your students be successful. You should, you know, I got to this big picture project that I did for the week. Part of that assessment, guys, I am going to provide you this word problem that describes what we did and you're going to answer that. And then part of this assessment also, I have a past 
state assessment word problem that goes right along with that. And I want to see how you do on that too. I want to see how good of a thinker you are to take this awesome experience and then also practice this problem because it's important for all of us. Agree 100%. I, I think that we've we've completely covered where where we would both go when it comes to solving math word problems. Um, there's a lot in here. There's there's certainly room for people to have questions about that. Um, I, I, I'm plugging the website again, the Facebook page, and anything that that gets to us, bring us those problems. What what things can you do to shoot holes into even what we've said? Um, what pitfalls did we not cover? What things are are we negligent in seeing that that could be a real problem that that we missed? Um, I love thinking in that direction. I love thinking about uh, teaching and learning and all things instruction. Um, it is a passion of mine. How do I get into um, kids' heads and get them to understand better? That's that's my job as a teacher. How do I get you to understand something that you have no understanding of? That's that's the craft. And just to follow up on what you said, Mike, probably the thing I like to do most in life, maybe not most, but a really enjoyable thing for me is to talk just about teaching and learning and talk with teachers about their classroom or their struggles and talk through those things. Because like we've said a thousand times, we do believe that there's room for improvement or that any problem that someone is having can get better. And we have a ton of ideas, but you also get ideas from other people and you learn and grow through conversation. So I wanna keep uh, inviting questions or people to add to our conversation also. Awesome. Um, I'm just gonna put this out there at the end of this. There's some other topics that we've been considering. Um, we have one on behavior. We want to have a, a discussion about behavior. I know we've done that before, but like, how is it that we address behavior concerns in a classroom? How is it that we address uh, the relationship between pupil and teacher that, that helps with behavior? We want to talk about how do we get kids to communicate differently or better in writing and in speech? We have a small vignette that we talked about on uh, don't sit down. I like that idea on, on, you know, a teacher strategy for just do not sit down. Um, I had a, I had something written down on voice control. Like what does your, what does your voice sound like? So a lot of ideas are, are coming um, out of us and we're, we're putting together some smaller vignettes and that's, that's one thing. Those are a few things that you could look forward to in the next coming weeks. Yeah, so, you know, like I said, please continue to engage us in the conversation. We know that there are some people listening to this, and we want to make it for those listeners. So suggestions that you have or things that you need, like Mike keeps saying all the time, how can I help you? That's, I guess, the, the fundamental thing of what we want this to be, how we can help others in our world. All right. I will leave it there. Thank you, Miles. Thanks, Mike. Yep. See you next week. All right. This has been the School's Out podcast. Continue the conversation and explore past and future episodes at schoolisout.org.